This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Podcast. Hell yeah, brother. Overload, brother. Beats by at Smoke M2D6. Welcome to Seattle Overload. We have a special episode, like all of them special, but this is us recapping training camp so far. Obviously, you know, us being virtual, watching the YouTube stream like degenerates, we're mm. in the best position, much better position than beat reporters who are actually on the on the field and there, or even fans who are in attendance. We're in the best position to analyze the storylines emerging so far. We're going to do that through the scope of positional battles. I say we're because we are, and we is Griffin and Ty. Griffin... Yeah. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you doing? How are you guys doing? I'm I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm chilling with my boy Drew Wu here. He's uh chilling, enjoying a nice beverage. Uh I I should be enjoying a nice beverage, actually. I need to get some water. I'm gonna get hydrated here live on the okay. show. Thankfully, okay. the water is literally right next to my computer. Wow. And I, I won't um I won't judge your bottle of water, which you know, I, I disagree still with that, but we, we spoke about that off air. Bottle Griffin. with the hard tea there. Notice that. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, as opposed to like a D sound, because we just say bottle. We don't say bottle. Um, I need to counter with the Geno Smith um, background, don't I? Yeah, you do. Yeah, I'll invest in that. Look into that, and then we'll see what where yeah. we're at next week. If you you're know. not watching on YouTube, uh, this is what you're missing out on to absolute child right. uh, neglecting Jacob Eason. Disgraceful. Uh, there is a quarterback that, battle going. Well, on that, that's where you yeah. step in. Yeah. Griff gets Griff gets a Gino one. You you get a Jacob Eason one. Yeah. Or, or Jimmy. Garoppolo. Everyone's getting equal representation. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that's great. There is a quarterback battle going on, and. Does it matter? All the, there's reports coming out that you know Gino's had the, the last two days have been tough for him. That he's thrown a pick or or th- four maybe. Uh, Griffin, do you think this matters? It's just too early. It's we're we're talking okay. One, we're talking about practice, and yeah, practice absolutely matters. I'm pretending like it doesn't. Um, but there are no conclusions to be drawn here. One, you're comparing apples to oranges because Drew is with the twos going against twos. 
and Geno's with the ones going against ones. And yeah, there's been some circulation there, but not much. Um, but not much. And DK's only been practice has only been his second practice, right? That's correct. So that also that also affects things. Um, and then the situations are like very specialized. It's not like a mock game. It's not the full offense. It's it's pieces of the offense adapted for those situations. And like, I don't know. Um, Bob Condotta charted each quarterback and their stats are actually minus the interception fairly the same and then broken down. Gino's doing better on third down. So there's just no conclusions to be drawn from this. Um, they need to they need to just be able to play and practice, I think, kind of stress free without like full tilt, you know, like well, at least give it another week. But also we can save that the conclusions for, you know, the preseason games, because that's that's what actually matters. Um, I still expect to see Gino to be QB one come first preseason. But um, it sounds like they're each they each are struggling, but they're both also making having some good moments um we'll see though how about you I guys think, well i think it's easy to forget how good the defense could be uh especially early mm -hmm. in camp where the defense is going to have the natural advantage my other take is all of the descriptions is like gino's picks and this may sound silly but they've all seemed to be and you made this point as well griffin kind of the testing windows variety like oh he threw it into double coverage well to me, that sounds like he's testing the window of perhaps a cover two cloud or like a dig window into the quarter side of coverage. Or, or he threw a pick and it was undercut over the middle. Well, to me, that's testing an over the middle window. And yeah, they're in a quarterback competition, so it's slightly different. It's not like a Patrick Mahomes going out there and throwing an interception. But I still think it applies, especially early in the process when they're not, you know, they've got preseason games to play where that will be the main judgment. Right. But they're not they're not uh, game planning ahead of a week one regular season game or week two or week three or whatever you know. Right. This is the time to make those mistakes and learn. And if they can say to the coaching staff, "Yeah, I know, but um, I'm just testing this," you know, if they have a reasonable explanation, I think that's fine. Ultimately, yeah. we're not there, and the the rest of the the positions and the stuff we'll talk about today, I think we can lend a bit of a better um, take on, but. To me, like my, my, from from afar, my take is that, like you, it doesn't really matter. If anything, it, it, it's, it's to be expected, uh, both from like a struggling standpoint and the offense not being ready, but also from a, you know, they're there to try stuff out um, and right. push, push the limits. Mm -hmm. But also, Drew Locke's problem has been turnovers, right, uh, primarily, and, and forcing the issue a bit too much. He's showing a... Um, he, he's showing perhaps more restraint, whereas Gino's coming out and he is probably trying to show how his command of the offense. And, well, if this is removed by this, I can access my backside dig. I can access my, my tertiary deal. So. Sure. Yeah, and, like, this offense is not going to be good if they if they can't, or it's not go, even going to be functional if they can't hit on some of those routes. And I'm sure the types of routes where the interceptions are coming. So they have to be able to kind of break themselves into it and it's not just the quarterbacks it's also mm -hmm. the receivers and everyone else involved because this isn't just the, the entire offense schematically is going to be very different than it was last year so it's it's the offense getting used to itself um in terms of playbook and then the players getting used to the timing and rhythm with each other um, the choreography of it and just everyone getting on the same page whereas the defense 
they were one of the best defenses last year in defending dig routes. So the defense is ahead in terms of what they're actually doing, what the offense is doing, what the defense is doing. So um, it's and now that said, the defense is probably I don't know if we can say it's more talented than the offense overall. Obviously, quarterback makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the defense just has a lot more going for it right now out of the gate. Um, and yeah, Gino has to he has to test these windows. Drew hopefully is also testing them and succeeding. Then the other thing is this is all secondhand, and there's it's hard it's it's hard to I mean the beat reporters are reporting on everything, but it's hard to digest what's happening when you're seeing it live. Sure. Whereas when you're watching tape, you can rewind a thousand times. Um, so mm-hmm. there, there's just a lot going on here. So yeah, we have to take it all with a grain of salt. Good stuff is good stuff. Bad stuff is still bad stuff, but we have to just remember the broader context. So let's just get to the preseason game before we fret or anoint or do anything really. And also, wouldn't you be more concerned if you heard that the defense was getting torn apart right now? Like that would be kind of a bad sign uh, considering that, you know, obviously, you know, there's this narrative that the defense is undergoing so much change and it is a little bit, but it's, you know, it's more just leaning into the stuff that it was doing last year. Whereas the offense, as you said, Griff, it's likely going to be changing drastically. So they're a little bit more behind on stuff than, than the defense, I would say. And so also, I don't really have any concern over Gito throwing a pick or not like track record, uh, track record, like him in this offense should not be able or should not turn over the ball as much as as drew lock if we're just going off a track record let's just see it play out though let's just see it play out uh, uh, you know during the preseason i don't care what happens on august 1st or july 31st i really don't yeah yeah um if if we're just using obviously geno smith threw a lot of interceptions when he was a 24 year old in new york but going off of last year again only three and a half game sample but he only threw one interceptable pass the whole time and that yeah, was and it was batted down. The the actual interception yeah. doesn't. I mean, Tyler Lockett tripped over the middle. Tripped, so, it, was the, it was the correct read. Mm-hmm. It was just unfortunate. Yeah. So I don't really have any garga- like gargantuan concerns with Gino there. Yeah. We just have to get to the games and then we'll see. Um, and the game that we will not see, but I think is the bigger deal here is if it comes out that Gino's thrown, you know, four picks or Drew's thrown four picks or whatever in the mock game this Saturday at Lumen Field, then that's going to be a thing where I'm like, yeah. okay, that's a problem. And 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 Pete will find that a, a problem. We, we didn't mention sure. Pete Carroll got COVID. So um, I don't yeah. know how that works uh, yeah. in America, how if there's a different policy, but will Pete Carroll be in attendance at the mock game? Because, I mean they have preseason games where they can practice the coaching staff relationship and the game they fit and Pete will be able to watch the tape. But um, to me, it's kind of a, a semi big deal that, well, missing practice isn't great, but the fact that he won't be at the mock game is, is, is not good in my opinion, or, or will he, do you, does, if he, te- when can is he it, test out? Is it How does five, it work in America? I think it's five days, right? I think it's five days from the day that you test at this uh, point. Interesting. Yeah. Do you have to get a negative test though? Mm-hmm. Is that what starts the clock on the five days? So he may not be back for. Well, he so he tested positive on the Monday, right? And the game's on the Saturday, so that is technically five days, no? Yeah. Well, if um he might be able to be up in the booth, <laughs> you know. Yeah, just um have him the shoe freeze uh without the hospital bed, but have right. him in an isolated um 
right yeah no socially socially distance yeah hospital bed yeah even handcuff them to it yeah 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 Pete is um, like the anti-Hugh Freedom. We won't be able to we won't be able to see that except for um clandestine recordings that get posted yes. to Twitter we, taken down. But we will get a box score though. Well, no, your point on uh, uh they're not clandestine, they're uh, they're excellent uh, and they should be encouraged. There's no risk uh to recording the game and uploading uh, them as far as I'm aware. I mean, you you may lose mm-hmm. your Seahawks season tickets or whatever, but if you, you might can, just get an angry tweet or DM from Lumenfield <laughs> or a phone call, uh, but if, mm. if you can, please do uh, take pictures pre-snap and uh, mm. note down yeah. the, the things we spoke about last podcast. And you know, I mean, you've got a camera, you got mm. you got a phone which can mm. video stuff. There's yeah. a there's a lot of different like clothing items that you can buy now that right. like hide phones yeah know, surveillance yeah. stuff you know yeah. like synchronize it to twitch yeah and live stream it twitch somebody's yeah. screen cap the yeah. live stream make sure you have a buddy or who's in the end part. zone or like facing the end zone so we can get the end zone footage as well yeah. um film the down and distance marker before the snap as well so mm-hmm. we just yeah. need all of that yeah, <laughs> yeah let yeah. us know let us know your spying techniques down in the comments yeah and um and yeah okay all right now it's time to get into our top five spying techniques yeah <laughs> Griff, you first <laughs> um baseball caps solid uh, those always work for uh the folks on the uh, marvel movies right yeah. baseball cap in the in the uh bomber jacket mm-hmm. sunglasses aviator sunglasses yeah yeah i'm a all fan right. of the trench coat mm. that's a little too on the nose though although reverse psychology is in now so if you could say you're wearing a trench coat ironically but then mm. you're also you've got an, like a camera underneath it that an action hiding. green also, trench coat who doesn't love a fake mustache right who you doesn't have a fake, fake mustache, mustache. Yeah, yeah. it's good um right. i'll tell you who doesn't have a fake mustache all of the three right tackles that are defining <laughs> the right tackle battle between Jake Curhan, uh, Abraham Lucas, and Stone Forsyth. There's a lot going on there. Mm. I think uh, yeah, Jake Curhan does have. <laughs> Jake Curhan has facial hair. So, but oh, not shit, fake. That's not right. fake. Yeah. It's not, not fake. Not though. fake facial, real so, facial. So it sounds like Jake Curhan has been with the ones, and then Forsyth has sprinkled in some, and then at one and two and then um abe lucas the the draft pick has um been with the twos per he, the and i guess the threes he, or he, I, guess no, I, I heard lucas sprinkled with the ones as well oh, okay it makes sense i mean they have to all get reps just mm-hmm. for communication if mm-hmm. anything um i don't know how we're supposed to tell right now who who could possibly be leading that i did read that tyreek smith or was it taylor i don't even remember Gave uh, one of them gave Curhan trouble, one of them gave Forsyth trouble at the left and right side, I think, because Forsyth is still technically the second left tackle, so he's getting some reps in there. Not with the ones, though, I would imagine. Um, no, but that isolated isn't good for either of them, but then that doesn't highlight their good moments either. The edges are allowed to bull rush now, I think. Um, 
Yeah, the, so today was the first day of pads in uh, bunny ears, quotation marks, whatever, because um, it was only upper pads, so like shells. There wasn't lowers on, but uh, yeah, that that they haven't been allowed to bull rush before today because of the lack of pads. But um, that whole unlocking the speed to power element must be a bit startling. I'd imagine it would take a tackle a bit of a while to sort of acclimatize back to that, uh, understandably. Yeah. Um, the, the defense has the advantage in that respect, I'd say. Sure. In preseason, watching their play, especially in gun, will be important because gun now, they're pass protecting in a state where the ends know they're pretty much going to be passing because uh, they're not gun running as much. Um, they're going to be a two-point stance more often. It's just more pure pass situation. So it's just going to straight up be your talent versus their talent your technique versus theirs so that will be really important to watch obviously under center protection matters to hold up for the yeah so the, it's interesting like play action protection but one's just more of a pure drop back scenario now than it's ever been for seattle's tackles so watching yeah. them in those scenarios will be important yeah it's interesting if um you know if you're asked to tear the the sort of what's most important right to a tackle now in the 2022 offense like what can they not be really bad at like i'd argue that the drop back pass protection like the seven step drop um five step drop pure drop back right which is going to be i mean as part of the under center offense but the seven steps stuff i i don't think we'll see much of uh it'll, um and then, and then in the gun, like deeper dropbacks from the gun aren't really going to exist that often, right? Um, and so, therefore, you can say that pure pass protection really isn't that important for the right tackle. Really, the big thing will be, are they able to seal um, an end uh, or like a tight um, on the inside shoulder of them defensive lineman on, on when they're running zone away? And then are they able to kick out uh, uh, end man on line of scrimmage when they're running zone in the in their direction? And that's big. And then f f what follows from that is the play action pass protection and the movements and the selling of that without getting beat. So I, I don't know if you agree with what I'm saying there, but in my opinion, those things are much more important than the pure pass pro. Really, I think if their pure pass pro is kind of patchy, Seattle will kind of live with it, but they, they have to be able to move people, displace people, both uh, running to and away, and then they have to be able to hold up in the play-action game, be more proficient in that, because that's what they're going to be doing much more of, right? Right. I mean, obviously, you know, it goes without saying, all of it's important, but I think, back to what I was saying with, about the gun, is that at the very least, the most situational stress is going to be put on them than it's ever been put on them before. Just because, yeah, the yeah, defensive. I mean, they're just not going to have run reads, I and mean, they'll they probably they'll probably resort more to gun as well, um, as you're saying. But that they'll probably resort more to gun in the pure, like the third and long, you know. Right. But then you can yeah. argue perhaps that's when they they just check to a draw because they get a light box or they they um throw a perimeter screen where the pass pro is not that strenuous. Right. So, I mean, yeah, we can we can break that down if the Jags game is any indication of what the Rams did with Goff is any indication. And now with Stafford, because they run a little bit more in gun with Stafford than they did with Goff, just a, a touch. Um, it's first and 10 gun. They're probably passing the ball like 80 plus percent of the time. 
second and long, second and medium, they're passing the ball if they're in gun. It's second and short, third and short, and they're in gun. And they present a light box. That's when you check in the run. That's when you have a, a run check or maybe an RPO just so you can get that favorable look. They need to, I mean, it's better to run on second and short than it is to pass on second and short. I'm pretty sure league-wide success rates are higher and even EPA per pass or run is higher uh, for, for running, that is. Um, so you have to be able to run there. But if if they present like a really favorable pass look on second and short and they, they crowd the box, then okay, pass it. You just need to be able to have that uh, balance or that flexibility in those situations. But otherwise... It's second and five. They're passing the ball. If it's first and 10, they are passing the ball. So, yeah, like we're probably not going to see five step drops from gun, but we'll probably see three step drops from gun, which means five step concept. Whereas, you know, a five step drop from gun means seven step concept. Um, but we're going to be seeing a lot of gun three drops. And that's where the quarterback is capping depth about seven, eight yards. Um, that's, that's that area where the elite edge rushers can flatten and corner on guys corner and then flatten or bend to it. So that's where like Jake Curhan, he starts to lose the corner last year as a rookie at about eight, nine yards, um, so occasionally seven, eight, but with a quarterback that is with a quarterback that is, um, in tune with their tackle, they have chemistry with each other. You can live with that. So long as it's consistent, that was something that Russ was doing well toward the very end of last year. Like the last three games, he was helping Jake out. He was helping Jake help Russ, help Jake help Russ, right? It comes a positive feedback loop. So Gino, he's the guy that likes, he's pretty religious about capping his depth and not drifting backward in the pocket. When he takes sacks, it's very different circumstances. But his pocket behavior, it's, I mean, he, 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 it's, it's easier on tackles on average than other types of quarterbacks. Um, I mean, he even consistently moves up. He looks yeah, to move up. He, he, he moves up. Um, he takes sacks when the concept is defeated or if, say he missed a guy and he's trying to extend the play, but it's after he exhausts the structure of the play. Um, whereas Drew will try to create a little bit, sometimes earlier, sometimes not. Um, although Drew doesn't get sacked a whole lot, but that's it's because he's actually athletic enough to make it to make play extension happen. Um, and his height, it just lends itself toward being able to throw a ball over a rusher in his face um and arm strength as well to, to fire it over a guy but um so yeah i mean jake i mean you can kind of see his potential is what it is but if he can get his clean version for his style play cleanly at his max operating level he can be okay and that means you're also getting his last year which was elite run blocking at right tackle um but so to contrast him with stone and and Lucas, well, Forsyth is a good athlete, not great. I think you'd call Lucas a great athlete. But Lucas is great. Stone is good. But then Stone has tremendous length, and he's like a uh, he's a religious technician. So that's what he's got going for him, whereas Lucas is a little bit more raw with the technique, but he's got an up on both of them in terms of, um, in terms of athleticism. Then the other advantage that Lucas has is that he's more of a pure right tackle, whereas Forsyth is more of a switch hitter. Uh, he's more pure left, but and right tackle is a little more natural for him. He's done a little bit of it in college, but he's seen better off the left side. So you can kind of see, and then obviously Curran has the the continuity and the incumbency. So each one has an advantage over the other. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to watch play out through camp and then the preseason games because it really feels like it's an they all they have an equal share in terms of who could win equal percent chance 
I loved. Um, I mean, I've mentioned it before, but the way Kerham was able to seal guys on the backside of like mid zone, um, like a yeah. seal of four eye, um, and just get wash for the cutback for for Penny to hit was impressive. One on one, I mean, he he can move people. They were they were averaging seven yards a carry somehow, and yeah. Penny and they, deserves all the credit. But it's not the running back isn't can't do that alone. You the work that of that that right side getting wash of um. Or Posick, you know, but then also uh, Gabe Jackson and and in Kerham really right. and, and Disley, but um, yeah, that's right. that's big and and uh, that'll be Lucas's biggest like coming out. I wasn't that keen on Lucas in terms of his physicality, um, but then he didn't really get the opportunities necessarily um to sh to show that. But I think his pad level probably needs work coming off the ball run blocking wise Forsyth's had a year to learn that even he's coming from a probably worse uh, uh position in terms of run blocking but you know he's had a year to learn that um and he does have that right tackle experience that you alluded to right and it's he's like uh, a sneaky sneaky um one you could yeah. see it happen and with lucas i i agree with your assessment on the run blocking but it wasn't for a lack of effort like he tends to play through the snap almost as though he didn't have the technique to right. to like demolish. he's compensating yeah right um yeah so i don't know i don't know what else there is to say at this point without having with without having uh spies at training camp to report to us um so let let the best right tackle win let the best right tackle with real facial hair win. Do you have any takes, Ty, on, on the right tackle position? Um, yeah, I'm actually really interested to see Stone Forsyth, uh, particularly in the preseason games, because um, I, I, I thought that he held up uh, fairly well in the, what was it, the Chargers game uh, in the preseason last year. Uh, mm. And obviously he was, you know, s such a dominant pass protector in college um just I, I'm, I'm interested to see if he's actually made strides in the run game uh if he's you know obviously being six eight and being the size that he is that he's not going to get <clears throat> he's not he's never going to be technically sound there I, I think he'll always have issues there but how much progress has he made is he actually a, a legitimate threat in this battle because i think if he's still got if he's still going to struggle against or you know blocking for the run, I I don't think that he even factors in to the battle. I think that at that point it just goes down to uh, to Lucas and Curran. Yeah. Um. It, interesting note there is when they drafted him last year, and Waldron was asked about him. I think it was Waldron. Um. Waldron comes from the Rams, and Stone Forsyth is huge. He's six seven, six eight. Um. Obviously, the tackle pairing over there uh, when when Waldron was there was uh, um, uh, Whitworth, who's like six nine, I think, yeah. and Havenstein, who's six 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 seven. So, and by virtue of Forsyth being a left tackle, I thought maybe Waldron would name drop Whitworth just for the mm -hmm. hell of it, and he didn't. Sure enough, because that's a future Hall of Famer probably. Uh, but he did mention Havenstein, and Havenstein is a right tackle, so maybe there was always a and. Forsyth does have a couple hundred snaps at right tackle at Florida. It's just that he has about a thousand at left tackle. So maybe Waldron sees the vision there, you know, with him at he right tackle. He had the foresight for Forsyth. Yeah, mm. the foresight for Forsyth. Mm. Very good. Um, um, God, I'm holding back on some just terrific, just terrible puns. Uh, and I'll spare you all from them. Um, 
anyway, so yeah, that, that's an interesting tidbit uh, with him at good uh, recollection. Actually, having a future at right tackle. So yeah, well, again, probably won't know to the preseason, but it sounds like Kern's holding his own so far. But that's to be expected at this stage. Yeah, and it would only take like you know one awful like whiff on on a on a gun thing, which we spoke if about it isn't, to really to really sort of ramp up the pressure because he's not the same level of athlete as either of these two guys. No, I mean he really you can see though the foot speed isn't there. I mean he's got like he's like an athletic mover but not an athletic tester if that makes sense. He just doesn't have the foot speed. He's more he of a jump setter, right? When he needs to be, yeah. But when he has to get depth, I mean he, he's he's kicking and hauling as fast as he can. But you can tell it's just not as it's just not as comfortable for him as it is yeah. for stone and lucas um um shooto was gonna say something but i forgot okay well we, you know what I'm i haven't sure. forgot though is that the cornerback battle is heating up mm. it mm. is and uh most promisingly i guess because there's the you know expected name of sydney jones working with the wands and Artie burns working a right cornerback which i mean starting to get promising but most promising are the rookies of Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant who both are receiving uh, positive reviews I think it's easy for Woolen to be splashy because of his athleticism and that's like so obvious because he's so uh, tall and yet he's like moving like a smaller guy but Kobe Bryant is getting his hands on a lot of footballs and which is what we said would happen. Um, mm -hmm. I think I right. said he was a, a probably a day one, like ready to start kind of the guy, and yeah. it kind of sounds like he is. So, which shouldn't be surprising because, I mean, you watched him; he's a good player. Like we we know that, but like the idea of well, is the rookie ready? They have no qualms about starting a rookie. Just look at Trey Brown last year, mm. right? I mean, that's I mean Trey Flowers even in 2018, he came in and provided a I don't know replacement low. Replacement level play for a rookie who was a convert. Obviously, that didn't go where they wanted it to go, but serviceable play. So if if they're willing to trot Trey Flowers out there, they have no issue trotting out Kobe Bryant. If push mm. comes to shove, it's just like you said. Sidney Jones is reportedly having a great camp at, as the first left corner. Then Artie Burns is playing really well. Also, uh, he seems to be giving DK Metcalf a lot of trouble per reports. Again, we can't see it, so we don't. I know he's a. I, I I know he has a, a track background, like a really impressive track background, but his ability to um like just move uh, in watching through the drills uh, on the the training camp live stuff, mm. it was crazy. He's uh, I I hadn't I was not like he had a tough start to his career, like it, you know probably confidence was down. This you know put together an all right season in Chicago's kind of like a fill in dude, and now in the similar what we believe to be a similar system, it might all be coming together, you know? Yeah, I mean, first-round talent, without a doubt. And he had a, a good year in Pittsburgh and a down year in Pittsburgh. He had, like you just said, filling in last year for for Chicago with injuries. For my money, outplaying the guy he replaced a lot of the time in Chicago last year. Um, gave DK Metcalf a lot of fits on the perimeter. DK Metcalf mm. got his production against other corners. Now he's getting in trouble in camp. Uh, like you said, just the movement skills. Like at a certain point, you can't teach. And he's so long. He's mm -hmm. long. He's long and fast, and and has good feet. So, 
and that that's kind of that's similar enough to Sidney Jones in terms of a snapshot. So, um, what well, what I actually think what's cool is they've sort of doubled up. Um, a right corner, they've got Woolen, who's long and and really crazy movement skills, like one of the most gifted guys ever, to complement Artie Burns on the right side. And then they've got Kobe Bryant, who I think, Griff, you said he could be kind of like a Sydney type. Um, maybe I'm wrong on that. But yeah. on the left side, you know, he's working there w- w- with Sydney. Um, and I'd like to think that spot's kind of just a free-for-all. Um, because they don't yeah, really have yeah. anything to lose there, but then yeah. there are reasons for playing the vet. But and then Brian, we have to know I, how. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, I feel like the quality of uh, of play is is going to be better in the preseason than it was last year, which I mean, very low bar yeah. to clear there because that was a, a disaster that led to them basically retooling that whole position group before week one. But right. I, I feel like this is actually going to be fun to watch rather than like oh god this is a disaster whereas you know it's like it's kind of a similar situation going into the camp there's a lot of question marks with the position in general like there was last year and so but i think this time around and like you said maddie as well like they don't really have anything to lose this time mm-hmm. around so i think there's just a I, I don't know i'm actually pretty excited to see how this plays out i, I think they have a lot of really interesting guys that fit what they want to do and um how that starting rotation kind of um you know handles itself is is going right. to be really interesting right um obviously trey brown like how does he factor into this with yeah exactly period? right can he still move yeah and it's 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 like right i mean one is he the guy that he was athletically before the injury and then even assuming for the sake of discussion that he is how do you come in and uproot both sydney and kobe the way that they're playing on the right side um, so that's just like a big question mark. Now, the one positive is that we know the cover one package is going to be is going to maybe even double this year, going from 10 to 20 plus percent in terms of total snaps. So that allows you to mix and match guys, you know, anywhere and everywhere. Right. You can you can get these guys snaps if you just want to see them, stuff like that. Um, but I have a question for you. So both you guys there's a clear theme of supreme length on the left side, whereas Sidney Jones isn't short. He's tall, but he's not super long. On the right, oh, you mean? On the on the defensive right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was thinking offensive. Yeah, defensive right. right there's supreme length and height. On the right mm-hmm. side, we've got decent – on the left defensive left side, we've got decent height, but Sidney Jones is like 30, 31-inch arms, I think. Kobe Bryant is 30-inch arms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously Trey Brown – played on the left side and he's a rather short fella um Mm -hmm. although we love him so as offenses they like to at least historically against seattle when they Mm -hmm. can't get anything going they just isolate the left side the left the their left side the right corner they isolate the right corner opposite trips and just try to work one-on-one matchups are they really wanting even though they love dj reed and he was awesome on the right side are they really focusing and emphasizing length there to be able to, even if you're outmatched, you're still able to, your length can help negate certain things. Um, it helps you recover um, mm. on the ball. Help. I, I, well, I wonder actually if, I mean, they won't do this because it's too predictable, but would you rather have the longer guy in the cloud of like, if we're doing quarter, quarter, half or half quarter, quarter, Right and re- rerouting in the outside underneath space of the defense, 
and jamming guys up at the line of scrimmage or catching them five yards off? Or would you rather have them in press quarter where they're basically like man-to-man down the field? Because I feel like, but with the inside help of a, a quarter safety, I feel like w- like the, it kind of suits the smaller dudes to play in the cloud. Um, but then think about it, length, it, though, with those, you know, trying to help defend the hole underneath the safety with those airy balls that get thrown over them. Like, exactly. remember... So there isn't necessarily a, a right yeah. thing. It's kind of cool, though, sort of as a conclusion to that. It's kind of cool how those styles mesh and work sure. in, in the scheme, along with, you know, the cover one aspect. I mean, uh, we'll see how that, that plays out. Right. But um, right. but in terms of their, their half, quarter, 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 half, split field stuff, having them play uh, on the quarter side and the cover two side really will sort of mesh and complement each other. And it adds them, like, not just multiplicity of calls, but, like, sort of a multiplicity in um, styles, even techniques. Like, if you're a shorter guy, catching guys might suit you better. But if you're a longer guy, getting up at the line of scrimmage, like, uh, heck, bless Austin last year, he really liked playing the cover two down at the line of scrimmage. Um because he was a long dude, um, whereas like a Trey Brown, well, he played a bit up, but um, like a DJ Reed, he played off and liked to catch guys. Right. Because so. because um, th- think about w- relating to your comment about um, you know, the the cloud and would you rather have a shorter or a longer guy there? Boot to the right is a lot more common than to the offenses right is a lot more common than boot to the left because quarterbacks are right handed. Mm-hmm. So they, they don't they, they like to get the ball on the offense's left hash so that they can use the space to the field and have them rolling out to their right so they don't have to like crank their whole body around and flip their hips to make the throw. So on that note, that means the left corner on the defense's perspective, that if, if they cloud half quarter quarter, right, to, to that side, or if they just straight up play cover two. But anyway, having the that field corner having length, there obviously there's an advantage there for like the reasons we were talking about with helping defend the hole but then and then being able to jam guys get that jam reroute like you said so i don't know i don't know how they how they figure that um like i mean just the the downside we saw of it we remember that one play where D, trey brown elevated as high as he could he high pointed the ball on one of these plays and he was just like an inch off um and there's nothing he could do about it and he played it timed it as well as he could but it's like well you're five nine and you've got 30 inch arms and there's just nothing you can do there and then i think dj reed against the steelers had another one on 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 his side on the right side where they were roethlisberger just fit the ball right over his fingertips i think in a very similar circumstance and he played the ball fine he had another pass breakup literally an identical situation kind of my point but i don't know i don't know to me the advantage of the smaller guys in in the cloud right is that they most of the time have looser hips than the bigger guys. So they're able to flip back and then look deep uh, and transition quicker. Whereas the taller guys, there's some kind of jerk and awkwardness. Like if you think back to... It's safety-ish almost, like a free safety moving around in space. It it is, where like would you want a strong safety, like box safety doing that? Probably not. not. It's going to be really cool to play out because last year it felt like... Adams was always into the boundary and Diggs was always to the field and Adams was always playing the quarter and Diggs was always playing the half and Trey Brown or Sidney Jones was always playing the cloud 
and Reed was always playing the quarter. Now that's not actually true, but it, it kind of speaks to the fact that Adams and um, Brown, uh, sorry, at Diggs and Brown were on the left. Um, and like Griffin said, offenses right-handed quarterbacks. They want to they want to throw mainly to the left, and Seattle wanted to play quarter to the backside and the cover two to the half side uh, to the the front side. Yeah. Um. Um, so yeah and here's another way just to kind of frame the cornerback situation let's assume that trey brown was healthy they've got between art between burns jones um bryant woolen and trey brown if they were all healthy and let's just say for the sake of discussion trey brown didn't get hurt tariq woolen would probably be the fifth corner in that if you were to stack them all and he would probably be the fifth corner, I think. And you, you feel free to disagree. But no, well, well, I I said that I don't think he'll get playing time in his first year on defense. I predicted because he's just so raw from a technique right. standpoint. But I, he sounds like he might make me look foolish. But yeah, I, I yeah, I mean, he, he could, he could. But I think at this point, at this point here now, it's fair to call him the fifth corner in that stack on the perimeter side. But there's about two or three, maybe four seasons in the past six, seven years where if he was all they had at right corner, they wouldn't have any issue trotting him out there week one. I mean, if you're willing to do it with Trey Flowers and that didn't have horrible returns, at least early on, there's, I mean, they would have no qualms trotting out Tariq there. So I think that just speaks to the first and second string, the options that they have in general at corner right now. It's pretty interesting. It's it's pretty good. This doesn't for they've been chasing their tail at, at perimeter corner with good moves, low 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 risk, moderate to potentially greater rewards. They just haven't quite worked out. Um, with the trade they made with Washington, um, you know the the Akello signing. I, mean, I think these were all good process moves. I think not paying Shaquille Griffin was a good process move. Just the results haven't been there. Obviously, DJ Reed. That's part of their process. That was fantastic you know it's testament to their belief and you can always develop a guy some guys just need chances right um but they went in they, they arrived on good corner play last year with dj reed being a revelation well based off of the previous year but that was based off of six weeks in 2020 right of dj reed playing really well toward the end um and then also trey brown kind of being a uh being a a, a happy surprise for a fifth round pick in the middle of the season before getting hurt so they're not going into this year with like, well, you know, peak scenario, this could happen, that could happen, they could be all right at corner. They've actually got depth. They've got veterans that could be good, but then they've also got long-term pieces that could just sit around and develop on the bench um, and then also uh, be an option long-term. And then also just for year one's sake, they've got just straight-up depth that they haven't had previously. So corner situation for where they're at for not spending – multiple first round picks at corner for not going at crazy and free agency. They have pretty good options. Yeah. Ex exciting kind of versatile blend and the kind of possible sub package potential of some of these guys. If, if that, if they are, you know, deserve playing time, but don't get the starting job. Um, my prediction is that Brian ends up leading the, uh, the corners in, um, in plays on the ball in the preseason. That's what I'd okay. say. All or right. Maybe he right. just understands roots like he knows where to take the path to undercut like a comeback he might get beat doing that as well but we'll see sure i almost died on the video here were you choking yeah 
like on your own spit or were you eating something? <clears throat> water. Water. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, well, Drew's right behind you. He could have done the Heimlich. Yeah, you, yeah. He. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate your. Thanks, man. For appreciate sure. your support. Um. Yeah, I actually agree with that call, though, Maddie, uh, about um, Kobe Bryant leading and uh, plays on the ball in the in the preseason. I think he's going to be very active. I think we're probably going to walk away from the preseason, at least the defensive side of the ball most impressed with with kobe is is kobe going to be one of those third quarter stars in a preseason game that gets him second quarter snaps the following week yeah Ooh, yeah i think cool. i well, think Brown we end being... up seeing him like either start maybe the last preseason game or at least get in like second quarter Brown go. being on pop just gives these guys i mean it's really yeah, it's a huge opportunity it gives them a huge op- and i don't think we see like i think the starters might get i think they might do what they did um where they rotate through so like first quarter on second quarter or third quarter on or you know sure. split or go for a series but I, that doesn't give you much chance for a rhythm but um sure. i really or do think we, Gal- we mix, they mix it up more than they did last year galaxy brain theory mike jackson starts preseason game three <laughs> let's go he didn't look horrific when he like he was thrust. He, was he had a good game Lions. in that uh, the the Detroit game. Yeah, he was good. Yep. That one. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's like Don't... yeah. There we go. Another intriguing guy. Yeah, so go get it, Mike. So the other things are um, wide receiver three. I mean, we we don't really know. Goodwin seems to be impressing people. I mean, he would. He's polished. He's fast. This is like he's built for this stuff. When people right. other guys aren't quite ready, he's he's come in. He's ready. He knows Sanjay Law. And he's been helped because D. Eskridge has been nursing a hamstring injury. He's only just returned to practice today. So that's still in the air. Outside linebackers kind of playing out as expected with um, uh, Chenna uh, Nwosu and Daryl Taylor as the starters. Taylor ahead of Nwosu. And then um, Tyreek Smith popped today. But, um, you know, it, it's the usual pecking order of Mafe Smith, uh, who has only just got activated off the pup list. Uh, Alton Robinson seems to be more of a nickel defensive end, which suits his game because he's like the 4-3 type, but he'll have to impress in those situations. And then the the nickel approach, hard to glean much from the practice film, but we've sort of spoke about how yeah. it's interesting from a versatility yeah. standpoint in past episodes, so make sure you check them out, specifically the defensive mailbag. That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Um, the other big thing is... Um, the Seahawks seem to be using Vic Fangio blended defensive language, which I mean to be expected, but the fact that they've been working towards this since 2020 and now they've got the, the group of young coaches to implement it and all be on the same page with their ideas, along with the guardianship of Pete Carroll means that we're going to see some very interesting stuff um, and just more of what we've sort of seen them build on more multiplicity, more versatility, more aggression. Uh, I know you love that word, Griffin. And mm. um, tighter, to, to coverage while still stopping the run. Hopefully, so exciting times ahead. We'll be back next week with a mock game review after watching all of your footage, guys. Mm. Right? Wink, wink. You guys That's got predictions game. for the mock game? What you think might happen? Hmm. How about this? I'm going to predict zero interceptions. Ooh. 
that is absolutely no that's just not happening that's zero interception jacob beeson hasn't even thrown an interception all right so 10 touchdowns i i i know i know every year it's like offensive player does something good in camp that's tweeted out they're like it's like either the defense is playing horrible or the offense that player is now all of a sudden impressing or if it's the reverse it's like you know what i'm saying like all the mental games we play with Mm -hmm. ourselves um, of fun I, emojis. Right, right, right. I I genuinely, unironically think that a lot of what's being reported out of camp is that the defense is just actually really freaking good. Yeah, um, that's, th- that's where I'm at. They're straight up a hard defense to score on. And also, this defense is built, the, the defense is almost tailor-made for choking out what Waldron's past concepts are attacking especially his base install stuff where they yeah base install we're talking we're talking camp rules at this point like week one um Mm. so things will get spicier next week um and and this defense has continuity with itself that the offense doesn't because the most important player in the entire building is the quarterback position so there's just there there's a lot of change going on so um but yeah, the defense is good. Jordan Brooks step for step with Noah Fant. He's 6'5, 240, runs a 4'4. And Jordan Brooks hmm. is tipping a ball down the seam. Are you kidding me? Well, pro, didn't baby. Jordan Brooks ran a 4'5 at uh, like 240. At 6'1. That's insane density. Dense. And honestly, he plays like fast. He plays fast as hell. All and- pro Jordan Brooks. <clears throat> pro Jordan Brooks, Pro Bowler. He on the footage playing, <laughs> <There> you go, <laughs> playing the kind of like up and down, um, uh, three receiver hook in the middle field open stuff, but also playing a vertical hook um to the slot in right like, I on the corner so, side. He looks so, so good. He looks so good, but also given what you just said, who the hell is the Mike and who the hell is the Will? We oh. still don't know this. Well, to me, did you get Brooks, something is, more? Brooks is the mic in the fact he gets to call the plays in and call the defense. But Barton is like what we'd call a mic, but probably is called something different in base. Then in dime, which we didn't even talk about that, but Cody's going to use that a lot, um, in especially in the passing situations. And they're having Adams down and Neil high, which is interesting. Um, there's pluses and minuses to that, which we spoke to before. But um, Kobe comes off the field. Brooks plays in the middle like a mic. Um, and then Nickel, uh, it, it was advantageous. Is what we said. I, we don't want Brooks um, in the middle and Barton having to match up with a slot. It doesn't work. Um, yeah. So we're clever. Okay. Please keep reviewing the podcast. There's been some really nice reviews come in. Thank you very much. Very complimentary. And uh, yeah, five star ones only. I should add. Uh, like the the podcast on YouTube and subscribe to my channel. Follow the podcast on Twitter. Follow everyone involved with this podcast here. Don't forget smoke M two D six, and we appreciate you. We love you.